will find you. And I will kill you. Yeah. I am the walrus. Shut the fuck up, Donnie. The greatest trick the devil ever pulled was convincing the world he didn't exist. What we've got here is failure to communicate. Mrs. Robinson, you're trying to seduce me. <laughs> Aren't you? Was it over when the Germans bombed Pearl Harbor? Hell no! Just been revoked. Open the pod bay doors, huh? I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! Because it is my name! I see Dave. Today, Junior? Ever dance with the devil in the pale moonlight? What? You'll shoot your eye out, kid. Like scary. Uh huh. What's your favorite scary? The price is wrong, bitch. Welcome to Critics Not Cynics, the podcast that tries to prove that you can be a critic without being a cynic. And this week, we're going to be discussing episodes five and six of WandaVision on Disney+. Plus. But wait, you might be asking, where's our episodes three and four review? Well, as I'm joined with Leslie again for this kind of review session, I'm, Hello. Going, <laughs> I'm going to tell you to go to her podcast because I uh, guest on her show and we discussed episodes three and four there. Um, so you can find her on YouTube at Leslie Monday podcast. I believe that's your channel name, right? Yep. Okay. And you can get her on uh, basically any podcasting service whatsoever. She was telling me beforehand, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Podbean, iTunes, Google, uh, basically wherever you get your podcasts, you can uh, find that episode there. We will be releasing it on the actual Critics Not Cynics podcast page, but it's going to be some time before we do that because we wanted to promote her show and get more of our base over and check her out and follow her because she does wonderful sci-fi reviews. Uh, and I believe she's got a sci-fi book review coming at some point. Is that right? Yeah, I got to finish it up this weekend. <laughs> so it should be releasing I know it's taking soon. me a while, but I'm working on it, I promise. <laughs> I know you're a slacker. You're lying. <laughs> uh, yeah, with our day jobs, it's always kind of hard to try to fit in time to to record when we want to. But I am looking forward to it. What book are you reviewing, uh, if I can ask? Um, it's a sleep in a sea of stars by Christopher Paolini. Okay. I'm not going to listen to it because I've got that book <laughs> in my to be read. <laughs> well, I'm, I've 
that's one of the things I was kind of going back and forth with about doing a book review is whether or not I want to go in depth or I want to keep spoiler free. And I think I've really kind of landed on, I want to try and be more spoiler free okay. because I don't, I don't want to ruin it for people. I, I want people to go and, and read the book. Well, then I might listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've, I've had it for a while now and I've been reading all these other books kind of in between and and been delaying myself from starting it for some reason but uh it's definitely i believe he was the writer on um aragon aragon which i never read that mm-hmm. book series so i don't know i never did either i don't know his style or anything like that but i am intrigued by the premise uh of the book and i i just been looking forward to it, but it's also not a short book either. So uh, I've been reading a little bit of shorter books in there and some of the High Republic stuff, which I will be reviewing at some point for the podcast. Um, but yes, we wanted to you know promote her show and get more of our audience that listens to us to go and listen to hers. Uh, and you can also, she has a website, which she's helping us get our website kind of ready and, and good to go. Uh, you can go to lalunsford.com, uh, and I believe we'll have the links and everything in the podcast description, so you can go check it out in case you don't know how to spell her last name. <laughs> uh, but yes, absolutely, go check that episode out. It was really fun. Um, we definitely went into spoilers, like we will go into spoilers for this review Um, But we really had a good time and good discussion talking about uh, those two episodes. And I am excited to kind of continue that review structure on with episodes five and six. But uh, we will not be covering two episodes in a row for the next set. We are actually probably going to uh, record a review of seven, eight and nine since it's kind of off kilter. uh, The even format doesn't work out. And I feel like since it's nine episodes and we're kind of near that end that it'll be good to really cover everything in the grand context of those last three episodes but uh go check it out again and uh we also will probably be having the podcast up on youtube now i'm in the process of getting that uh all orchestrated and this might be the actual first episode that will be launching on our youtube channel um so if you want to go check it out, it's youtube.com slash critics, not cynics. Uh, please subscribe and share to your friends. Uh, eventually, we'll be adding video format to it, but we are in the process of getting that equipment um, uh, purchased and, and set up so that we can have it be good quality. Uh, but yes, with all that said, uh, we will go ahead and start talking about episodes five and six of WandaVision. Um Again, full spoilers ahead uh, up to episode six. So you have been warned. Uh, (laughs) We are going to go in grand detail. So let's start with episode five. Um, The obvious choice. (laughs) Of course. No, we're going to go with six first and then just work backwards. Um, So WandaVision episode five uh it's now kind of the 80s version um because as each episode has been it's kind of been a a decade of television uh you know starting Mm -hmm. off with i believe the we did the 50s we did the 60s we did the 70s now we're in the 80s um now this episode in my opinion out of the two that we're reviewing is the better of the two um 
as we talked about on Leslie's podcast, like episode four kind of took us out of the sitcom atmosphere and gave us a grander context of what was actually happening. We saw Monica come back from the snap or the blip, whichever one you prefer. Uh, I prefer the snap. I think blip is a little too childish, but whatever. Um, Mm. And kind of seeing her come to terms of over what's happened in the past five years, the return of, of Jimmy, played by Randall Park, which has been fantastic, the return of Darcy, which has also been fantastic. Uh, and I think even people are championing uh, kind of an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. meets X-Files series with Darcy and, and Wu. And I think that would actually that would kind be of be amazing. Yeah, it would <laughs> it would work. And I, I think you could even probably do kind of an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D reboot and maybe even bring in like Chloe and some of those uh, other actors into it and give them the justice that they deserve. Now I haven't finished agents of shield, but I I did have a hard time getting past the first two seasons. Uh, But then I did kind of go on a binge and I stopped mid season four for whatever reason. I can't imagine. Yeah, I I need, I need to go back and also finish because I kind of ended with season five. And for me, they wrapped up season five so well they didn't give me any reason to need a season six. And then they did, I think six and seven, right? Yes, that's correct. And, and, and I haven't gone back to it because it's like, you gave me the ending I needed. So I like, there was no reason, no, like, Oh, I've got to hurry up and go back. And so I just, I haven't gone back to it since. Well, and I think that that was because they, the writers and everyone working on it didn't know if they were going to get renewed for a season six. And that was right with infinity war. And so they, um, they wrote yeah, they, an ending in the event that they were canceled. And yeah, I, and they did it really well because they did the whole we wrap up enough for you and we give you enough and then we leave you enough like questions. And it was like that perfect balance for me that I'm like, ah, and then they're like season six. I'm like, eh, OK, <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's I'll get part to of, it eventually. And that's part of the problem when you. It's a problem with TV in general, and I think it, it it's even a problem with like shows like Netflix shows or Hulu shows. Is um, I I really wish when a studio or company decides that they're going to cancel a show, especially a show that has set up um, you know certain maybe plot points for another season, that you at least maybe give them four episodes, five episodes, just to wrap things up. You know, just mm-hmm. to do that because I, I I go back to. Um, I, I didn't watch it while it aired, and I didn't actually think it would be good, but Krypton, uh, I ended up buying season one and season two, and I moved through it, and it was, like, actually really good. And then Sci-Fi canceled it, and even the, uh, like, little episode epitaphs and in, in the little insert on the DVD or Blu-ray says, like, oh, in the series finale, and it's like, okay, well, they planned a series finale. And then I watched it, and I'm like... No, they didn't. Like, they set up all these different plot points and introducing parademons and stuff like that and, like, Brainiac's still on the loose. And I'm like, you couldn't just give them something to maybe just wrap it up, give them one more season or a reduced episode season and kind of tie things up. Uh, I I think that that's justice for everyone that's working on it and stuff like that. Like, I get not wanting to spend the money towards it and stuff like that, but... Um, that's just my personal opinion and kind of diverging Back to the episode yeah, <laughs> diverging from from the path. But, uh, yeah, we we got to see everything kind of from the outside perspective of everyone seeing what's kind of going on in Westview. Um, so episode five kind of now is doing a hybrid format where we're seeing 
what's happening in Wanda's reality and what's happening outside of it, uh, which I think they did very well balancing that um, that type of style because sometimes you can do it where it's too much or you're not getting enough, um, you know, uh, time spending in, in the television side and, and or enough time on the outside side. I think they balanced it very well. Uh, but this is where we really start to see the phrase in the fabric of the reality Wanda's created. We have Agnes breaking down, and in the context of the next episode, I was suspecting that she had more of a part in this, but uh, episode six kind of negates that theory I had because she has a moment where the line lines break down, and she's like, do you want me to take that again? And you've got Wanda confused and Vision confused, uh, and they just then end up going on like everything's normal. We also get the advanced aging of the boys, um, <laughs> which I guess works. I mean, I, I again, with not knowing how this se- season or, or series is going to end, I have to wonder what they're going to do with uh, Billy and Tommy. Did I have that right? I think I have that right. Yeah, Tommy and um, Billy, yeah. What they're going to do with the children. Because if I think in the grander context of House of M the children disappeared at the end of that because they weren't real. Um, And from kind of what we're seeing, uh, advancing a little bit ahead in episode six, certain things can exit maybe the, the reality, but if they're either not alive or not real, that comes into question. Um, So vision is really suspicious. He is really finally catching on that something is not right in Westview. Um, and he's questioning Wanda, and Wanda's not really forthcoming with any information. Uh, uh-huh. And finally, he goes to work on a Saturday, which even the boys comment, like, that's kind of weird. Like, why would you go to work on Saturday? And Wanda also kind of wondering, like, yeah, there, there's something fishy going on here. And we see um, Vision kind of questioning Norm, and Norm... Uh, you know, being normal, but then, uh, you know, Vision doing whatever he does that breaks Norm out of the reality. And, and yeah, when they back, got that email coming back to his mind, the email coming across uh, and Norm talking about the pain and everything being told what to do and how to act uh, so much so that he's in like excruciating pain that Vision puts him back in the state um, of the, the sitcom reality. Uh, so we also get kind of the fact that Hayward and Monica and all of them are trying to figure everything out. They get the identities of, well, no, that was in the other episode, the identities yes. of everyone. No, involved. They kind of figure out this episode that Wanda is manipulating actual like material because, you know, her pants are still Kevlar. Yeah. And, and she gets, that's how she gets the idea to send in the eighties drone. Right. Um, be also because of something with maybe the electronics too, I think was part of it, but also something from the decade of, of the show that they're in. It didn't, it didn't require any changes. Like when she sent in that first drone, it changed into a toy helicopter because it didn't make sense with the fifties or whatever era they were in. Right. So they're already in the eighties. She can send in an eighties drone. Right. And um, so we also have now there was I I saw someone get a little nitpicky with this because um, as they're kind of doing a debriefing in the sword like camp outside, um, 
in fact, like Hayward is trying to get Jimmy to say very negative things about Wanda, like to portray her as an actual villain, which is kind of true to the comic books. I mean, she started out in the Brotherhood of Mutants. She was a villain uh, and then later on becomes an Avenger, much the same with Quicksilver. Um, you know, they started out as villainous characters and became heroes later on down the road, which is, you know, not strange to the comic book nature um, of certain characters. But uh, Jimmy's kind of refusing. But then every time Hayward interrupts and says, you know, well, this happened and then this happened and then this happened. Um, and the fact that no one has a nickname for it. And I saw that there was this nitpick that I guess back in Civil War after the Lagos incident, there's like the TV running and it says Scarlet Witch. Um, but no one has actually called her Scarlet Witch. Yeah. And like I can always I can chalk that up as someone tried to name her and it just didn't take. But it probably will now retroactively like it, it, someone came up with that name. And they're going to go, oh, that's perfect. You know, she's acting like a witch <laughs> and and we can now label her as Scarlet Witch. Well, I mean, were they complaining that because, well, now we can do it because, you know, before we couldn't because of the rights issue. But they I don't think they need to hurry up and like slap the label on her. I think if they make it a natural progression of the show, then that makes sense. Yeah, I, I think it might happen by the end or by the time we get to Doctor Strange too. Like, that's kind of the natural progression because of obviously the, the mysticism and, and he's the sorcerer supreme and everything, that mm-hmm. the kind of witch moniker will then apply to her at that point. Um, but we also see that there's kind of this divide. You know, Hayward is more militaristic about it and wanting to approach her as a villain, whereas uh, Monica and Darcy and Jimmy all kind of like, well, she's a hero. She's an Avenger. She helped save the world and everything to defeat Thanos. Um, We know that she's not a villain. There must be this outside influence we don't know about. Um, Yeah, Hayward's pretty sus. Yes, very, very (laughs) sus. Uh, especially moving into episode six. But, you know, when they do send that drone in, um, it actually had like weaponry that even Monica and them didn't Uh know about. And uh, this actually causes Wanda to exit the reality uh, and and kind of show like you're not messing with me. Now, I I know I commented on it uh, prior. I can't remember if it was in our three and four review or if it was in one and two, but We talked about her accent. I did kind of like, and even though it wasn't strong, she did bring the accent back. Uh, Even though I'm not a fan of the accent, at least it still shows that it's there. And maybe in this heightened kind of emotional state she's in, she's slipping on the Americanized, you know, accent she kind of developed during her time in Civil War and Infinity War. Oh, I don't think it's that. I think it's because she's in a sitcom thing and she's an American sitcom, so she's doing an American accent. Well, I'm talking prior to the show. Like in, in Infinity War and Endgame, she uses kind of an American accent. Like her accent really isn't there. Um, but now it, it's picking hairs. But I, I did at least like that they kind of brought it back because that was a criticism of certain people was like, well, she has it in, in Ultron, and she has it a little bit in Civil War, and then it's just by by Infinity War and Endgame, it's just gone. And um, I did kind of at least like that they brought it back a little bit. Um, and then we see her kind of turn the soldiers towards Hayward and, uh, you know, basically threaten saying, stay away. Like, let me have what I want to have. Uh, we also got to see the images of 
kind of what Feige ha- had planned and, and nixed for an in-game, um, you know, mid-credit sequence of her breaking into Sword headquarters and taking Vision's body. Mm-hmm. Um, but we still don't know what caused her to do this. Like, we don't know what motivation she had because, like, we've both talked about, she was kind of at a good place at the end of Endgame. Like, yes, she was mourning yeah. the loss, but she was mourning it with Clint. Yeah, I'm kind of suspicious about what was going on just because when you look at those clips, I I mean, I don't know, because they say that Vision had a living will, he doesn't want to be a weapon, whatever. But when I'm looking at that, he kind of looks like he's out on the table being studied and maybe being like, like it doesn't look like they're letting him like rest in peace. Exactly. You know, something's going on. Yeah, I, I, when, when, When they did that, it felt like kind of contradictory where Hayward is saying, oh, he had a living will and he didn't want to be used as a weapon. But it's like you have him literally dissected. Like he is broken apart limb by limb, torso separate, head separate. That's not the state Vision was in when we left him in Infinity Exactly. Like if if you're letting him like rest in peace and not be a weapon, he should be like – buried somewhere or in a glass thing that people can come up and like look or whatever something but not in pieces on these different tables surrounded by people you know in their typical um ppe you know with the face shields and whatever and and like clearly like being studied yeah it doesn't uh, like i don't know what sword was doing but they were doing something sus so this also kind of makes me wonder because you know sword kind of got uh introduced in the end credits uh scene for home or far from home uh with kind of fury on his vacation on the the satellite with the scrolls as kind of the beginning of sword um mm-hmm. is sword going to kind of go down the same road as shield you know where they have good intentions but much like with fury and this is characteristic of fury in the comic books um you know pre-ultimates universe and post-ultimates universe Fury has his own set of plans and his own agenda and doesn't pretty much trust anybody outside of like Maria Hill um, with his motivations. And it's like is now that Hayward is a part of S.W.O.R.D. and basically the leader of S.W.O.R.D. when it should have been Monica has and we know that there's something that we haven't heard yet from Hayward. Like he's very antagonistic to the ideas of the heroes He's not a fan of the Avengers. Um, So there is some personal motivation we're not quite aware of yet. Uh, And we get kind of hints of hints of what it is in in episode six, but not not really big details yet. Yeah, I feel like when you get these big, um, I don't know, not like corporations, but big organizations like that, it's kind of it's kind of almost inevitable that it becomes a witch hunt because people get so bogged down into the bureau, the bureaucracy and the red tape and well, we have to do this and we have to protect. And then we have to protect from everybody. And suddenly it becomes, you know, like the military policing, the citizens sort of a thing. And I think when the organizations get to a certain point, it kind of just happens. Right. Um, it, it's just like, it, it, and especially without the positive impact that I think Monica would have had on the organization had she not been snipped, mm-hmm. uh, especially with kind of taking the reins from her mother uh, and also even being there for her mother through her cancer. It, it just, it seems that the the snap happening had a negative impact on what the potential mission of sword was uh, going to be and so i'm i'm really interested to explore that aspect um 
Now, the other kind of really cool thing is the open confrontation Vision has with Wanda. Um, he yeah. is literally calling her out for manipulating things and trying to still understand what's going on. I mean, he still obviously does not know anything happened to him, but there's enough suspicion. His conversation with Norm has opened his eyes a little bit that there there is something that she is actually doing. And he wants to know what happened to Monica um, and, and everything that's going on and that she is in control of every single distraction that's happening to kind of change the subject. Uh, and we get the kind of cool shot of them doing the standoff. And that's <laughs> very, very cool. Um, but let's talk about the coolest or most surprising moment of this episode. <laughs> uh, the doorbell rings. Of course, Vision is suspect of what's going uh-huh. on. And we get Pietro. Yep. But not as Pietro as we knew him. <laughs> <laughs> we get the uh, X-Men version uh, in in a sense not not so mm-hmm. much a, a direct but we get Evan Peters Pietro which was actually kind of a shock to me I almost didn't even think that they would show the face I I felt like that was going to be left hanging for episode six you were going to see the hair and the episode was going to end yeah, but, it was head but they they are keeping again with that sitcom structure where you introduce the long lost brother or the long lost yeah. sister or father and you have them and you show them and then the episode ends and then you pick mm-hmm. up with that kind of aftermath in your next episode. Uh, but I'm wondering, so, you know, this is kind of speculation point at this point. Um, is, is this Pietro a hundred percent the Pietro of the MCU? Is he a mix? Is it straight from the the X Men universe? Uh, we get a little bit of answers of that in the next episode, um, but that's kind of where it leaves us hanging. Now, I'm thinking of two factors of why they picked Evan Peters um, to portray the role. One to kind of start. Well, actually, it's more like three. Um, one is to kind of start introdu- maybe introducing the X-Men kind of ver- version of characters. Uh, Cause I have been openly vocal that I want them to retain James McAvoy and I want them to retain uh, Michael Fassbender and about anybody else um, in the Fox X-Men movies uh, other than Hugh Jackman, but Hugh Jackman's done. Um, I, I don't really care if they recast uh, for the roles of like Cyclops, of Jean Grey, Storm, all of them. I don't really care. Uh, but I really want them to retain McAvoy and Fassbender, even though when First Class first came out, I was not a fan of McAvoy. Like n- before I saw it, let's let's say that before I saw the movie, I was not. I didn't want the guy from Wanted. Uh, I didn't want. <laughs> I didn't like the fact that he was having hair for like the whole movie. Uh, you know, I, I was just not not really open to it. But then I saw it, and I was like, "Wow, actually, he's doing a really good job as a young version of Xavier." And then I came out to find out later he wanted to be bald. Like it, it, <laughs> it was him, but the studio said, "No, we want him with hair." And so when I see an actor who was actually trying to go all in in the role, 
that endears him even more to me. And then I thought Fassbender's performance as Magneto was was really perfect. Great. And so, uh, and they and you know they grew on me through each subsequent film. So I really. Uh, really kind of hope we can retain those actors in those roles. And I think that that, that this was kind of a step in that direction. The next thing I would say is um, that out of kind of the, a a fan probably survey in a sense, um, the Evan Peters version of Pietro from the X-Men universe was probably was well more liked than uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson's portrayal. Um, yeah, and that's. Just I don't be- think he, I don't think he really had a chance. No, they because it was kind of the difficulty and the balance that they were running into with the fact that Fox still owned the X Men rights, but yet they wanted to introduce uh, Quicksilver and Scarlet Witch in Age of Ultron, and so then they had to run, kind of hamstring it and run it. Go, okay, well you can use them as Wanda and Pietro Maximoff, but they can't be the children of Magneto. They can't really have the names of their characters. They can't be the mutants. They have to be augmented humans. Uh, And then, you know, basically the X-Men universe could do whatever they wanted with the rest of the stuff. And so they, I think that's why uh, Whedon and and the writers uh, of Age of Ultron just said, okay, well, we need, we want to kill an Avenger off to have some kind of stakes to it. Uh, We can't really do much with, one or two of these characters, we're going to go with Scarlet Witch and keep her because we feel like we can probably get more out of her in, in story and content, which is proven to be very true. Um, and then so we'll just kill Pietro off and, you know, deal with it that way. And so um, I, I feel like that's kind of their decision because of him not having really a chance and him not really getting a chance to endear himself to other actors for, you know, for, like four more movies, people got, grew more attached to Evan Peters' portrayal and, and the fact that they kind of got the Quicksilver more right in the X-Men movies than they did in Age of Ultron. Yeah. Um, my third kind of thinking is Aaron Taylor Johnson just didn't want to come back. Um, <laughs> you know, and it's it's possible. I, I Honestly, I have not seen him in anything recently. Um, I'm not saying he's done acting, but maybe he he did his comic book stuff. And, you know, he said, I signed on for one movie. I just wanted to do one movie. You know, he did the two kick ass movies. I think he maybe decided I don't want to go back to the comic book movies. Um, So that's kind of my feelings on it. Do you have any thoughts on on the reveal and and the portrayal? No, I I think it was I think. Everything is probably more strategic than we might give it credit for. But then I I don't know, because sometimes you think something is really strategic and it just kind of all lucked into place. But I kind of feel like knowing that there was negotiations going on, that they were going to acquire, you know, Fox and all this. I feel like every little decision was very strategic, even structuring the sitcom to have him come back in the eighties one and knowing he was portraying the eighties Quicksilver. I think all the decisions were very strategic that way. And there, if there's anything that Kevin Feige has been, it's strategic. strategic, (laughs) You may not agree with all of his choices, but the man plans things out like 10 years in advance. So yeah. Yeah. uh, That's why I think that maybe, I mean, some of it might've been like luck, but I think there was definitely strategy and all that even strategy to the fact that we're going to build up Scarlet Witch and kill Pietro you know in right. Ultron like 
like knowing and planning ahead. Right. And I wouldn't even say because, you know, you might people out there might say, well, it's, you know, part of the progressive plan of portraying strong female characters or something like that. I really don't think that's it. I think that they just saw more character potential from Mm -hmm. her and knowing that they would have this dueling kind of uh, comparison with Fox and their versions like Fox wasn't doing Scarlet Witch. So Yeah, I think Fox tried when the Dark Phoenix thing yeah. and tried to do that and it didn't really work so great kind of, but like they haven't really tried in a live action. I feel like like because she was Scarlet Witch was in some of the cartoons that I remember, but they haven't really pulled it off and I think that was another reason too like well it's easier to just kill Pietro because they're not really using Wanda right and we can use Wanda and they can use Pietro it's kind of like split the twins <laughs> <laughs> exactly exactly so yeah I, I think that that's kind of where it all came into play a little bit and um so you know it, it is very kind of nice to see it certainly had me very excited for the next episode which we're going to go ahead and transition over into um which was the one that I was kind of excited for the most. Episode six is the Halloween episode. Uh, we kind of get to see everyone in their classic costumes in <laughs> in a cosplay type of scenario, not exactly. Yeah, but it was still great to see. Absolutely. Uh, it was absolutely great to see. But I felt like with the momentum of everything that was built up, the revelations we got, the surprise we got, um, that everything kind of lost its yeah it lost its momentum it didn't carry kind of that strong cliffhanger ending into the next episode now that's not to say that this episode was bad in any any means it just i sat there going okay okay and then the episode was over and i'm like wait a minute like (laughs) where's my kind of my hook for episode seven there is a little bit if if the previous episode was like a 10 this was like an eight or a seven basically yeah i mean it's just everybody was great um we still so this is kind of the issue i i have a little bit with what they're doing with pietro um because we do and i i I like that they did this because in our recap at the very beginning they did show scenes of Age of Ultron and him getting shot. And that's kind of nice to refresh everyone's memories that Pietro was around. (laughs) Um, He did exist. Uh, But we still aren't 100% sure because he does have the memories of Aaron Taylor Johnson's Pietro. But yet he's in the body. Oh, and we forgot to mention, I did like Darcy's comment on she recast Pietro. (laughs) Like... Because that happens in television shows like that happens in that kind of format where, okay, so and so might have portrayed this this character, but then they fell out or there were contracts disputes, but they didn't want to get rid of the character. So they got X, Y or Z to portray that character moving on and everyone just kind of accepts it. Um, But we don't really know if this is necessarily then the introduction of any type of mutant characters over because he is as far as we know, the Pietro of the MCU and not so much the Pietro of the Fox uh, X-Men movies. Um, But like you mentioned before we were recording, and I'm going to turn it over to you here, he's more self-aware. Yeah. And that's a very interesting aspect to introduce. So what are your thoughts on that? I, yeah, I'm kind of like with theories all over the place. I know we talked about a few of them beforehand and 
you can kind of defute, um, refute, not defute, <laughs> so like deflate. <laughs> you can kind of um, refute some of them, but I, he's, he's so much more self-aware. And I'm still of the thought that Wanda is still being influenced somehow. I'd agree. That I think he is, he, he somehow, he knows what's going on. He's somehow a little bit separate from, from everybody else. So he, it's like, he kind of knows he kind of doesn't. I'm also kind of wondering now that I've been thinking about it while we've been talking, if he can be the Marvel, um, Pietro just with this different face. And then after all this is over with, that's going to be a lead in for the mutants because that will be like, he had this fate, you know, somebody will be curious or Wanda will be curious you know, it's Pietro, but he has this different face. And then going into like Dr. Strange and seeing the different dimensions sort of a thing. And maybe that's how it's going to be old. And she's going to recognize him, you know, like sort of a down the rabbit hole. And now we're going to be able to see the mutants or whatever. She's going to bring him here for reels or something. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a very weird place. Cause we, we just, yeah. don't, we don't know. And that's why we're going to do seven, eight, nine kind of all together. Cause hopefully We'll have some more answers to that. We'll get more of a kind of concrete understanding of what this actually means. Um, yeah, because I, you you were reading that one article, and it's like, is this even Pietro, or is it like Mephesto? Um, Mephesto, yeah. And, <laughs> and that's and, you know, and that's the thing. Like, I, I don't think it is only for the reason because, as we talked about, he's self aware, and he even mentions like, hey, last time I knew you could only like move things and, and yeah. do some wiggly fingers and, and, you know, give people nightmares. It's like, this is on a whole new level. And even, and this is why, you know, we, we talked about it in our prior reviews. We, we didn't, when Monica came out and said, it's all Wanda, we still didn't feel like it was specifically Wanda. Yeah. Yes. She's kind of responsible for what's happening, but that there's this other, unknown that is contributing to it that enhanced her power that showed her maybe the true capabilities of her actual powers because mm-hmm. she is influenced her body was influenced by the mind stone and reality is what we construct it with our minds so it makes sense that this would be an extension of that power but it is a huge scale up in her ability. And the yeah. fact that she is not aware of how this all started or created does agree, like kind of lean into the line that there's this outside influence. The other thing that I, I didn't really care for in this episode is I, I wasn't expecting any major reveals because I think Pietro was a big enough reveal in the last episode that we would only get some breadcrumbs. But I don't think introducing kind of some more mystery uh was was adequate or maybe maybe it will be i mean i like i said episode seven eight nine i feel like is going to give us everything that we kind of need to know and the reveals we need to be revealed but i i just didn't like after kind of this big reveal setting up more mystery a little bit more mystery uh because we have this hey hayward has some kind of ulterior motive and some other connection and project cataract and uh, and then not so much. I don't have a complaint about Monica's blood work because I'm in alignment with you. As soon as 
we kind of got the idea that something happened and rewrote her DNA, that this would mm-hmm. be kind of the intro of Monica having powers. Yeah. And I also I just think, wonder which um, code name they're going to give to her. I'm thinking probably Photon because yeah. that was her mom's uh, call sign. I would I would probably agree with that as well. And I and I do think it's maybe another step into introducing mutants because mutants, it's all purely DNA based uh, that whatever she did, because the whole ending of House of M was her saying no more mutants, which meant like half of the mutant population, much like with the snap, all lost their abilities and, and mutants basically became an endangered species. And I'm not expecting her to say the word more mutants or anything like that or the phrase more mutants, but that she is going to do something in a scale that is going to affect certain amounts of the population of the world to then start making mutants become a part of the population. Um, and you and I also talked about a little bit about the commercial, uh, and that's the article we were reading on comicbook.com, and I strongly mm-hmm. suggest that they get editors to read their articles. <laughs> uh, but the Yo! Magic commercial, and we didn't talk about the commercial in the prior episode, but it, that one's not as impactful because it was Lagos paper towels to clean up your messes. Yeah. And it's like, okay, that one's very straightforward in what it's referencing to. But the Yo! Magic one was kind of a, a, a Go-Gurt, you know, type of commercial from the 90s. Um, and we didn't quite understand exactly what impact it could have. And comicbook.com had kind of the theory of this kind of – it's you had the idea, and I don't necessarily disagree with it, because we see the people that are kind of more to the fringes of the the perimeter of this um, – Anomaly are either frozen or kind of stuck on repeat that they might be wasting away or dying of starvation. It's kind of that like in a video game, nothing is is active or or you're only rendering what you're looking at. And then as you turn like they kind of stop moving or whatever, you know, that sort of a a thought. Right. Um, But then that article kind of took it a step further and said, like, you know, this might be more uh, actually representative of. Wanda and like the fact that um, she maybe made this deal like with Mephisto or they even speculated Dormammu, which we don't think that that would be, you know, probably right. Or with yeah. Nightmare um, that uh, she that made this Faustian deal to get this kind of nourishment or um, refreshment and, and granting every, you know, possible thing that she might want, but it not actually being real in the sense of like, it's just going to cause her to waste away and actually not provide any type of um, recovery in the sense of overcoming the grief and stuff like that, which I think is a very interesting theory. So despite my saying they need editors, uh, that is a very good theory to have. Um, That's probably one of those. Somebody was like rushing to get the article up and (laughs) he didn't have anybody or she didn't have anybody read it over, you know, whoever it was. Um, but it, it is, it, I, I was trying to understand kind of the overall importance and I couldn't quite figure it out. And I think that that's a very, uh, probable theory that they have, that this is kind of representative of Wanda's mental state that like she made this deal from this talking cool shark <laughs> with sunglasses, <laughs> uh, but just really just going to waste away in Westview if she tries to just think that this is going to provide her the comfort that she actually needs. Um, yeah. We also get to see um, the kids kind of in their costumes, like Tommy as mm-hmm. Wiccan. And I don't know Billy's 
because I never even knew about Billy. I knew about Tommy. I knew about him as no, a Wiccan. isn't Tommy the speedster and Billy's the oh, Wiccan? Oh, maybe, maybe, maybe you're right. Or Regardless, it- vice versa. They're twins. It's easy <laughs> to mix them up. Um, whatever one is playing Wiccan, essentially, I, I knew about his character from the Young Avengers, but I didn't know about his brother. And I didn't know that he kind of got the speed abilities. But this kind of also lends kind of credence to the mutant theory that now people will start kind of developing powers at certain states of their of their uh, development. But we get to kind of see them in their costumes. Uh, we get to see Pietro look extremely silly in his semi-comic book <laughs> accurate costume and hairstyle. Which <laughs> uh, is uh, hilarious. And I did love the kind of the scene where... Uh, Herb is talking to her about, you know, vision. And then um, it kind of came to the thing of like Herb's getting all this stuff like, wait, all the candy's gone. Yeah. All the pumpkins <laughs> are being smashed. Everyone's covered in silly string. And like you're seeing it all kind of happen in the background with Pietro and the twins. And I, I kind of like the funny moment where he goes walking away and you can see silly string on his back. <laughs> on yeah. His coat. What I liked best about that piece was the whole um you know, he's like, do you want me to change anything? Oh, because yeah. he's kind of breaking a little bit there, too, with the whole, you know, is everything how you wanted it, Wanda? Do you want me to change something? Right. And um, like we talked about kind of in, I believe that would be episode three, uh, you know, kind of him and Agnes being protectors in a sense, because oh. like they were suspicious of Monica's character and like that she doesn't belong in Westview. She doesn't have a home in Westview. Um, so these are people that they may not be complicit, but they are kind of protector roles uh, uh, for Wanda. Like they are there to serve her and make sure their things are the way she wants it. Um, now, we haven't talked a lot about Vision, but Vision lies to Wanda you know, says he's going on neighborhood watch and he's not. He's exploring more of the outskirts of Westview. And this is where we kind of see the the image of the woman trying to hang up the skeletons and she's or ghosts and she's repeating it and she's crying. The guy's putting the pumpkin down. Yeah, yeah her her crying there though that was that was great. It's very powerful because it's showing yeah. the true struggle and pain and also kind of the deadpan face. Like there's no emotion. It's just mm-hmm. you see her. She's trying to do this task and then you have the tear just kind of coming down her face. And the further he gets out, he, everyone's frozen. He's trying to talk to the people. The kids aren't moving. Um, and then he gets to Agnes. And Agnes is kind of stuck, too. And I'm kind of of the mind that Agnes broke from her character a little bit. And, like, the the real Agnes was kind of reaching out and trying, trying to get to out of Westview. And yeah. she was being prevented, which is why her car was stuck at the stop sign in idling. And um, kind of the interesting thought or interesting aspect that comes out of this uh, encounter with Agnes is Vision breaks her out of the reality, much like he did with Norm in the prior episode. But he doesn't have any recollection that he was even an Avenger. So everything pre like Infinity War and everything else, other than his relationship with Wanda, he has no recollection of. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is a very interesting aspect and also her telling him that he was dead and like him not having any concept of that, which leads to, I think the most interesting part about the episode. Cause we, we've wondered, okay, if vision is dead, can he exist outside? 
and we find out not really. You know, yeah, because it was really pulling him back. Yeah. And I don't know if it was because she didn't want him to leave or if it was because he was like breaking down while he was outside that barrier. My opinion is he was breaking down and like and but it was pulling pieces of him backwards, like back into it. So I feel like some of it was she doesn't want him to leave the barrier. I, I would I would say it's it's a bit of a bit of a mixed bag uh, because like he, he I think it was it didn't want to let him out. But also, as he's out, he can't exist outside of this reality as a living, functioning being, which is my wondering about the the boys. Like, you know, can they exist outside of this reality because they were created within the reality? And I don't want to go into sex organs of character, of comic book characters or anything like that about how they can reproduce or whatnot. But <laughs> with, with a, a vibranium right, robot. <laughs> right. You know, it's like it, 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 there's a lot of things that we just don't even need to go down those rabbit holes with. Uh, if you really want to know about anatomy of comic book characters, go watch Mallrat and Mallrats and listen to Brody talk to Stan Lee about the thing and the Hulk and all of them. Because uh, that's a literal conversation that happens in that movie. But uh, it's just, you know, you have to wonder because you do not only is he breaking down, but like what is underneath him doesn't necessarily match what you would think would be under like his exoskeleton or endoskeleton or whatever it would be. Because like it's just like lines of not electricity, but, you know, it's just these yellow lines of structure. And Mm -hmm. so it's like the. He was deconstructing as he was outside of the barrier and pieces of him were kind of going back. And if it were that she would be able to bring him back, you know, uh, basically, if all of his pieces were to fly just all the way back into the barrier, he would be reconstituted. But he was actually dying, which is why Tommy or Billy Wiccan, I'm just going to use Wiccan, uh, (laughs) Wiccan starts hearing kind of his dad's turmoil and then tells Wanda and Wanda then extends um, the the barrier and gets him enfolded. A lot of the camp uh, enfolded, and Darcy with her <laughs> what the f. And then so you and I are both intrigued to see how Darcy's going to be. Uh, and I want Darcy to be a recurring character. I know they haven't approached her for Thor, uh, God of Thunder or whatever they named it. Uh, Love and Thunder. Love and Thunder. Um, I don't want them to to get rid of her. I love Cat Dennings. I think well, she's if perfect she's, in she's a world. good TV actor, then keep her in the level of these and like yeah. do that sort of show like Jimmy with Jimmy Woo. Yeah. But one of the things that I wanted to point out before we move too far away mm-hmm. from the the expanding of the barrier is the fact that Hayward's standing there and nobody's doing anything to help Vision. Right. Like not a single one of them is moving forward to like what's happening, try and figure it out. Can I, if I grab hold of him, can I pull him forward? You know, should I push him back in? Like literally no one, they just stand there. And that's how um, Darcy ends up out there handcuffed to a car anyway, because she tries to help. But I'm like, Hayward is really sus, like super sus. You're just standing there watching him like and doing literally nothing. He's got this, like I said uh, earlier, he's got this like animosity towards supers. Like he just does not seem to try. Like it's almost like he blames. Well, I mean, kind of rightfully so. But in a sense, you know, it's still wrong. Everything that's happened in the world and all the turmoil and everything on the Avengers, on supers, and it's like, okay, like I understand, like maybe if Tony doesn't become Iron Man, 
Thanos doesn't come to Earth, you know, maybe. Um, but like these people did everything. Tony sacrificed his actual life. Uh, you know, to to get everything kind of back to normal and to save the world. So I don't know why you're attributing unless he's got personal loss, which we don't know his background. Like we were only introduced oh. to him in episode uh, four. Right. Yeah. Four um, that, uh, you know, we we don't know enough about him. It wasn't like he was a character we saw in other movies. We don't know his background. We don't know his motivations. Uh, so I'm very intrigued to find out what's happening. Also, we have Monica and Jimmy going to meet the the NASA engineer, which I heard the theory. And I think you and I both would kind of like this because we were wondering about who this would be, if it would be someone from the Captain Marvel movie or, mm-hmm. some, uh, you know, maybe a, a scroll scientist. But the speculation that it might be Reed Richards. Yeah, that would be awesome. It would be great, and it would be appropriate to how to introduce, kind of start introducing the Fantastic Four characters prior to them having abilities. Like, I know I don't want it to be immediately he's uh, you know Mister Fantastic or anything, but at least set the character up. And that's one of the things I think is really smart if they keep doing this kind of show format. Is I know like they did they didn't want to start wasting more movies on being origin stories and yet mm-hmm. they still kind of do origin stories kind of intermixed in the overall plots of certain of the certain movies like Black Panther and uh, Civil War, uh, Doctor Strange was kind of their last like straight origin movie a little bit yeah but if they want to start introducing characters in these shows and then kind of building their backstories up and then you lead into a Fantastic Four movie based on some of the events of this show and maybe Falcon and Winter Soldier or a little bit in Loki, uh, then you can, you've established that base and you don't have to waste a two-hour movie on an origin story. Right. And you have people who, if they're following the shows, they can at least know, okay, this is the context, this is the characters, I know them, I've had that established base, I don't need to know anything else. Um, so I... I kind of hope it is. I do want that to be the big reveal. And I know um, Elizabeth Olsen said that they have their own like kind of like Luke Skywalker cameo. And I don't know if that was in reference to Evan Peters, uh, yeah. because I feel like this is Evan Peters is more of a since he's established and he's in multiple episodes that it wouldn't be that that cheap. It's not a that, cameo yet to, right. from, from like a one one off. Yeah, like a one a one scene where you're going to be completely floored like the Luke Skywalker reveal in Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Um so I, I'm kind of hoping that they're they're saving that 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 aspect either for the next episode or for episode 9, you know. Yeah, it's either for like the end maybe and then like here's the dun 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 and right. then if this leads into the next Doctor Strange movie and we all just kind of sit in bated breath waiting for the movie to finally come out. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, and that's, you know, I, I think WandaVision, I know it's not been as, as successful as The Mandalorian, but you got to look at it and kind of, those are two separate universes. you got Star Wars, yeah. and, and Mandalorian has two seasons under its belt. This is the first of the MCU shows, so, uh, and especially having well, kind of... I was going to say, the style that they chose to do it too is also something that, like, people are either going to really get it or they're not. Right. That was where my next thought was going to go. It's kind of had that rocky start for some people, which yeah. is funny because I've seen 
it's it's really funny how you know we've talked about it too like just have some patience just wait like wait till more episodes are out if you want to binge it later binge it later if you can't stand the one a week format telling this particular style of story um it opinions on one division have completely flipped once episode four came out i was like right you know start at the end of episode three but when episode four came out and especially when episode five dropped Everyone like it went from on IMDb. I think it went from like a seven point five immediately to an eight point oh. You know, and that's because everyone was like, "Oh, I'm starting (laughs) to understand now." It's like, yes, that was the point. They wanted this to start out as a mystery and then start unfolding that mystery in each subsequent episode. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I, it's just kind of funny. And I would recommend if you didn't like those first three episodes and you, you're you still not sure yet, just wait until episode nine has come out and then binge it all. Watch them all. You know? Yeah, because it's they're, they're only like 30 minutes a piece. It's not going to take you quite that long. Exactly. It's not it's not going to be a huge time investment into like, OK, this is going to be a series of nine episodes, 55 minutes each episode or an hour and five minutes for one particular episode. Uh, they barely broke 40 minutes on episode five, but that's because of what they were doing with episode five. Episode six was like 38 minutes. And I assume, I assume our longest episode, but I've been wrong on cause Mandalorian hasn't done this. I would assume the longest episode will be episode nine, but I can be proven wrong because if they're viewing seven, eight, nine as kind of a three part finale, they'll have that adequately distributed amongst those three episodes. But, um, before we move into our, our kind of ratings, because um, we were talking about this before recording, um, the lo- the length of this series, meaning uh, how many seasons do we think it could be? My impression is that this show is a limited series. I, I've kind of had that impression that each of the MCU shows were going to be a limited run, six to maybe ten episodes depending on the length of the story. Uh, and then they would move on and tell a new one and kind of give you uh, a rotating um, thing of shows. Uh, but yet Loki, I think, has already been announced that it's going to have a second season. Loki is one of the few out of them that I could see being multi-seasonal because it's it's not the main timeline Loki, and they're going they can take that anywhere so they can do whatever they want with that kind of story they want to tell without it necessarily overly impacting the grander MCU or maybe having an impact with Kang. Um, but, uh, he's the one of the few I can see having multi seasons. WandaVision being this type of story without them, unless they change kind of the premise or how they want to present future seasons we at most can only see it as like a two season, maybe three season thing at top. Yeah. I can't see it going past two. Like if, if they're doing eight or nine episodes, I can't see three or four seasons of, of this. I think it's two max and, and that's pushing it, especially right. if this goes into the movie, right. um, to and, the next Dr. Strange movie. And Dr. Strange too, I believe is the next slated like, uh, well within the year, you know, cause we got, I think a new Spider-Man, Slated. We still have Black Widow, which I, I was going to get to this point earlier, and I think I sidetracked myself. Um, Feige is still fighting releasing it on Disney Plus uh, in this COVID era. Like he still wants it to be theater bound, but 
I, I'm I'm kind of of the mind, and I think any studio should probably do this. Release them both. Charge. Well, yeah, the Wonder Woman, I think, was only released for, like, what, like 30 days or something month, on HBO yeah. Max, and then they took it off? Like, why don't they do something like that? Right. Um, well, I'm not even saying that, because they did it with Mulan. Um, even though I didn't watch Mulan, but they had a, that premiere access where they charged you still like 20 bucks to watch it for mm-hmm. like maybe 48 hours or something like that. I don't even think that that's necessarily a bad practice. I, I do like what HBO Max is doing. I watched uh, The Little Things recently, which is, you know, one of their ones where they simultaneously released it in theaters and on HBO Max, and you could view it on either one. Mm-hmm. Um because I think uh, also I'm more comfortable at home watching these movies uh, on my 65 inch 4K TV, <laughs> with my three different types of sound bars I have. Um, but then not having to worry, like if I need to go to the bathroom, I can pause the movie. Uh, I can, you know, rewatch it a couple times and, you know, develop strongly develop with an opinion about it if I need to. Um, but I don't have to worry about outside influences. I don't have to worry about people talking. Uh, I don't have to worry about interruptions. Cause you don't have to worry about the guy who's super high sitting down next to you eating out of his McDonald's sack. Exactly. <laughs> like when, when uh, my buddy Jake and I went and saw Kong Skull Island, we watched the movie, but we couldn't hear any of the dialogue because of all the people who were being disruptive in the movie. And that was really kind of dis- like we heard. Obviously, we we heard enough to know what the heck was going on, but like it really distracted from our viewing experience. So I kind of like this idea that even if you've got to put a premium price tag, like I may not pay for that price tag and may just wait till it ends up eventually streaming. But at least you're giving the opportunity. and Yeah, that's where I think that the HBO version is a little better. Their model of we're going to have it here on HBO max for like 30 days. And and then it kind of does the whole, like the regular theater run and however long it's going to be before then it's going to actually be on a streaming service. I think that is a smarter format than what Disney did with Mulan Mm -hmm. because you know, I'm like, why would I pay you extra money when I can wait? And you've already told me that in how many ever months it's just going to be on there for free. There's literally no reason for me to do that unless I'm like, I don't know, like, like this is my job and I'm being paid to report on, you know, or my, my income, you know, is based on me getting out there and getting the latest and greatest, you know, when the shows drop or when movies come out, like there's literally no reason for me to do that. That's really stupid. So but that's just my opinion. Yeah, right. But I, I do think that the HBO thing of it, it's here, it's here for 30 days, and then it's off is a lot smarter. Right. Because you might get people to come in and pay, and there's kind of – I think at least when I looked at it, there was like a uh, you know three-minimum-month contract, mm-hmm. that, and you're going to get – so that you're going to get your money for those three months and not get it refunded. You know, you so it, well. like they've already got the money investment or whatever it is. You know, and then there's no immediate drop in in your subscriptions. You know what I mean? Like, right. I think it's a lot smarter format than what Disney tried. Right. And um, Wonder Woman, I believe now is on uh, digital platforms for rent for theater at home. So like they, mm-hmm. you know, they basically gave it almost uh, really only a month run. You know, in theaters and. It, it even if you didn't like the movie, like I'm, I'm still contemplating because I know the physical release is in a, maybe a month or two. 
uh, I still might pick it up, but like you've you've now gotten the ability of okay, it ran exclusively in theaters and exclusively um, for free on HBO Max for those paying subscribers, and like that's the thing they made the requirement you you can't do a free trial and get access to it. Like you have to be a excuse me a paying member. And um, because otherwise everyone would just wait and get whatever free trials they could and right. and just use those. And then, the, you know, they're not making that money. But if they're doing like a three month minimum requirement contract, then, you know, yeah, you've paid for three months. So you get access to three months worth of films that they've released in their schedule. And I, I do think that this is kind of the evolution of home theater. You know, people can now buy these grand scale TVs, 80 inch TVs, if they really want an 80 inch TV or projector, projector, which I I have. And I mean, I don't use it as much because of, you know, how expensive a bulb can be after it burns out. But like people have the ability to experience kind of a now there might be certain movies that you still would maybe want to go to a theater, but we still don't know how the world's going to be post COVID. You know, we don't know what's going to happen and these studios still need to make money in some way or form. And so I think Feige being really resistant is, is not necessarily smart because I think for Disney, it would be apropos to kind of do like what you said, go with that HBO max. Yeah. I think, I think his resistance is to the format as they have it now. I think if they adjusted it to something more like HBO's doing, he might be more open to it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't know the man personally. I can't call him. I don't know, but you don't have my speed dial. (laughs) I would think that that would make more sense if he had something more exclusive and it's not just, we're going to, here it is on Disney plus and just kind of like, here it is. It's just kind of like, just dropping it in everybody's lap and there's no, there's no incentive for it to like make as much money as it could. Right. Yeah. I, I I am of the mind, like it should be a simultaneous release, you know? Mm -hmm. And like you said, do the HBO max format, leave it on there for a month. If you miss out, you miss out. You either got to go see it in the theaters then at that point, um, you gotta wait or you gotta wait. Exactly. So I, I I just don't like that idea. And especially if these Marvel shows become very popular, because you know, once we get done with, um, WandaVision, we only have like maybe a week or two weeks at most and we get uh, Falcon Winter Soldier. And so, like, people right now that really want this MCU content are going to definitely be watching those shows. Uh, but maybe they may not be as inclined to go out and see a Black Widow movie because either, one, Black Widow movie takes place in between Civil War and Infinity War. Uh, mm-hmm. So whatever overall impact that might have on the grander scale, people might be like, yeah, this is the one I can sit out, you know, yeah, and catch yeah. up once it comes out on home release. Uh, so I, I feel like it's a very thin line um, that you can be walking. It's just I, I I agree with you. Like if it's a if it's a structuring thing and how Disney's going to approach it, then yeah, like I would agree they should adopt the same format of okay, you can't use a free trial to watch this. If you used a free trial, any premium content like this is going to be mm-hmm. restricted to you based on the fact that you entered a, a promo code. Um, but even if, but if you entered a promo code that gave you a discount, like maybe instead of 15 bucks a month or whatever, it's 12 bucks a month, then you're still paying for that content. So, you know, I could see you having access to that, but anything that's like, oh, you get it for three months for free or a month for free. No, I don't think you should be able to have access to that. Um, okay. But that's enough of that kind (laughs) of industry talk. Let's talk about, um, our scores. I will give uh, episode four, uh, or no, episode no, five. five. Five and six. God, I'm getting all over the place. Episode five, 
Uh, I would give it a pretty much a 4.5 out of 5. I, I didn't really have any strong criticisms um, of of the episode. It's Some things I don't think really worked for me well, like the rapid aging um, was maybe a little bit much for me, but I understand like if they're going to continue these characters on from like maybe a young Avengers movie, at least it gets them to the right age so that they could portray those characters. Uh, but... It was just a trope that I felt was a little too hokey um, for me. But other than that, like, I thought that was a very strong episode. The dropping of Pietro, like, at the end, very strong, giving us more hints and more clues of what's going on. Uh, I, I thought it was a very strong episode. Uh, episode six, uh, I'm going to lean between a 3.5 and a 4 just because, I, I mean, it was still a good episode, well acted, well shot. Story was fine. Uh, it's set it's set up, uh, I think, for some very interesting things for the next three episodes. But I, it left me wanting something more. I felt the momentum kind of uh, slowed down after that strong reveal. It didn't have a, as strong of a hook at the end of the episode as I think most of the episodes have had strong hooks. Uh, for you going, okay, I need I need it to be Friday for me to watch the next episode. This one, I can be like, eh. I can wait till Friday. You know, it's like I'm, I don't need to know what exactly happened. I don't need to see what Darcy looks like now. I do want to know who this NASA engineer is and what this kind of secret motivation for Hayward is. But I can wait. You know, I can wait four days or five <laughs> days until until the episode drops. But um, that's my scores. What's yours? Um. Yeah, so episode five, I'd probably agree, like 4.5. It was a really great, strong episode, I feel like. I just wanted to call out Paul Bettany as yeah. amazing oh, as the sitcom fantastic. dad. Is I'm loving it. Like, I'm loving Elizabeth Olsen, too, as sitcoms. But just Paul Bettany in particular, just doing these different versions of sitcom dad. It's like, I love you. You're amazing. And also, um, A Night's Tale is my favorite thing you've ever been in, but this is a close <laughs> second. <laughs> this is a really close second. But it, it's just so great. I love it. I just every episode. That's the thing I'm looking forward to most is like which version of sitcom dad is he going to be? <laughs> yeah. And, and that's what the one thing like I keep saying is like this is giving him a real good chance to portray or show what range he can actually have. And like, yeah, because one of his biggest things before, you know, doing the voice for Jarvis and Iron Man, he was just pretty much done with acting. He wasn't getting roles and no one was really putting him in much of stuff. And then. It was thankfully like for that and then his evolution into vision. It's like now WandaVision, we get to see a wide range of types of characters he can play, which can make him more marketable as an actor outside of of Marvel. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, overall, the the Pietro reveal, everything, I feel like definitely everything about episode five was really strong. Yeah. So then episode six, yeah, I'm kind of there on like the 4.0. I feel like, again, it was a really good episode as far like when you look at it on its own, yeah. it's it has everything it needs. I do think that it did. I don't know that it like slammed a brick wall as far as momentum goes, but it did slow down when I think that you had episodes four and then episode five and everything's like now we're getting into it. Now we're moving forward. And this kind of coasted a little bit. Like yeah. maybe you when you're surfing and you're like up on the high part, now you're kind of just coasting a little <laughs> bit before we we like come into I think I don't know if seven, eight, and nine are gonna be a, a three part finale or if it's gonna be eight and nine and we're gonna have another coasting episode next week. Possible. I'm not sure. 
Although I will have to say, I do need to know what Darcy looks like. I immediately <laughs> needed to know what character she was in there. It needs to be Friday yeah. right now. <laughs> it needs to be Friday of three weeks so we can watch all nine episodes. I wonder if we could start some kind of hashtag of like keep Darcy in the MCU or something like that, because I, I or really, like Darcy and Jimmy. Yes, <laughs> because uh, I just I think that there's so much potential. Like, I know she's not necessarily based on anyone in the comic books, but one of the great things that has happened with uh, these comic book television shows is they've introduced characters that have been completely original on the show that they end up writing them into the comics. And I think Darcy is one who totally deserves it. Um, I, I think back to uh, um, Felicity Smoke, who kind of had some backgrounds in, in the uh, DC comics, but they kind of solidified her more. Same with Dig. Like, he wasn't necessarily, uh, even though they kind of, by spoilers for Arrow Season 8, <laughs> or even just for the series, they kind of ended up making him Jon Stewart, and Diggle was just like... Stuart was his stepfather's name, so he kept his mother's, you know, name. And so, like, that's... But they kind of made him Green Lantern, the John Stewart Green Lantern by the finale of Arrow. Um, but, yeah, it's... I think she's proven just by her likability and her comedic timing, and she is kind of... I mean, she has done television shows, that she can, she can become a very interesting character that can make her own path... In the MCU, and I, I think that it would be a shame. Don't leave out Jimmy. I just well, no, no. That's what I'm Come saying. On, like, <laughs> even with yeah, with Randall Parks, Jimmy, like they they have become so likable, and they've combined. Both of them have had the le least amount of time in the MCU. I mean, Jimmy was only introduced in the Ant Man and the Wasp, and then finally <laughs> returned for WandaVision, and Darcy was only in the first two Thors. But these two characters have done enough in this show itself. I think mm -hmm. to warrant more attention and more development and more fun. And like, you can do a fun, I would love like a comedy version of the X-Files with these two characters. That would be amazing. Yeah. It's just like, they're the Mulder and Scully of the MCU going around and trying to figure out these weird events or something. Well, even if they want to take off and have Monica, like get her powers and, and have a show, like have the three of them, man, they yeah. could be her backup team. Like Absolutely. the people in the chair. Right. Exactly. <laughs> like they, that is a very good trio, and that's not something we hit on very, very strong, is that they have developed a very nice chemistry, all three of them, and, and the mm -hmm. way that they trust each other and interact with each other, that I think they do warrant having, even if you don't keep Monica in it, maybe have her guest star in like a few episodes something. where, she, you know, do something, because I think Monica will have more of an impact in Captain Marvel and maybe eventually her own movie, but yeah. uh, at least have her have some interactions with them in their own show, have them uh, their own kind of version of agents of shield and, and do the comedy like, cause these are comedic characters that you don't have to have it be straight, serious kind of comic book movie, but just have them be kind of a comedic relief, uh, intermixed with, you know, between some of the movies where you can just have some moments where you just laugh. They're very, both very talented actors. And I think that they deserve more screen time. Um, but that's, kind of it this has been a little bit longer than what i thought we were going to do but uh i hope you guys enjoyed this review leslie thank you again for joining me i know you've got your own podcast now that you know <laughs> you're double recording on some weekends but uh i am really looking forward to watching the final three episodes um just because it again just because it is like three episodes and it doesn't end evenly well um that's why we're going to cover the last three together 
Um, so if you don't hear a, a review of WandaVision for three weeks, that's why. Um, <laughs> Because I think then we can analyze the piece in a whole and, and you know, give up, give total final thoughts at that point. Uh, yeah. And it gives us enough time to really digest the information and the stuff portrayed. But, uh, yeah, I think that's going to do it. I, any final words from you? No, I'm still curious about what cataract, Project Cataract is, because, you know, what a cataract is, it's like blurs your vision, so... Might have something to do with vision. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Thank you for listening. Um, As always, you can follow us on Facebook at Critics Not Cynics Podcast. You can follow us on Twitters at uh, Twitters. Follow us on Twitter (laughs) at Critics Critics NT Cynics. Write into the podcast at Critics Not Cynics at gmail.com. YouTube channel's kind of in the works, so maybe that'll be up uh, by the time this episode releases. I'm kind of hoping so if I can motivate myself to do the work. Um, and you can find us on, you know, basically any other podcasting service and we will talk to you next time.